Well, this morning we are in the, the final week of a, a three-week series we've been calling Renew, New Patterns for a New Year. And so on January 1st, our guest, Terry Hebert, he came and spoke about the value of instilling rest and Sabbath into our lives. Uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Garth spoke on being good stewards of our physical bodies. And last week was our baptism service, and technically not part of our sermon series, but uh, what, a, what a wonderful service that was. Uh, hearing those stories of transformation and what God is doing in people's lives. Now this morning, we're going to look at at the scriptures, what, this, what they have to say about renewing our minds. Now, when I look around at the world around us, uh, when I listen to the news, when I watch TV, uh, as I browse social media, as I listen to people, there is a war being waged on our minds. You see, never in the history of the world have there been so many messages bombarding our minds and, and vying for our attention our money, our time, even our allegiance. For example, I was, uh, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed the other day and I asked myself after, how many messages and advertisements did I just see over the past couple minutes? And I even used an ad blocker on my computer. There are still tons. Later, I uh, went to my Instagram account. I got, I got a couple of social media things. And same thing, I didn't count. I didn't do the research, but I can tell you, it was a lot. Later, I got in my car and I drove somewhere, and I saw a, a billboard over there, and I saw a flashing screen over there, I saw an advertisement on a car over there. Then I went home later, turned on the Jets game. Now, I typically record the games and I start them later so I can skip the intermissions and the commercials, but the NHL, they got creative this year, and what they did was they, in order to amp up their advertising, they have these new digital boards, like right by the ice, that uh, change the, the, the advertisements on a regular basis. And so they keep changing and moving, and I don't like them. And that's just because they keep, they're so good at grabbing my attention. And those are just a few examples of, of some of the overt messaging. And it seems also like every TV show you watch is filled with subtle messaging that seeks to promote or seeks to normalize uh, certain things or certain behaviors such as sexual promiscuity, consumerism and power and revenge, not to mention all the political and woke agendas out there. And I haven't even touched on the evil that is horror, the horror genre, horror movies and pornography because there's nothing subtle there. Make no mistake, there is a war being waged on our minds. And so with all these messages, our minds, they have so little time to rest. So if, if you want peace, you have to like actively carve that out. And ironically, it's often when we seek to rest that we will scroll through our social media or we will watch our TV or binge that next show or whatever it is. And then these messages, they kind of just they, they slip into our minds. And our minds, they can be easily persuaded when we simply con consume all that stuff time and time again without using proper discernment, especially when it's dramatized on TV or in books. And so it's no wonder that, that mental health issues such as anxiety and depression are so prevalent. Our minds are under siege. 
And many of us don't even know it. But there is good news. God, our God knows uh, the temptations that we face, the challenges that we face. And Scripture has lots to say about how to renew our minds, what we put into them, how it influences our desires and the results that stem from it. And so therefore, the question we're going to explore this morning is this. As we live in this world, right, this is, this is the world we live in. As we live in this world, how can we be transformed rather than conformed? To put it more specifically, as we live in this world, how can we be transformed into the image of Christ rather than conformed to the pattern of this world? Now this morning, we're going to focus on Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now the Apostle Paul, he writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's what he was just talking about in the previous chapters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now I should tell you a little bit about how the Apostle Paul always sets up his letters. See, in all of his letters, he always gives some kind of instructions to the church or to the people about how to live as followers of Jesus in this world. But before he does that, in each of his letters, Paul always spends time Uh, First, telling the church what God has done for them. And in the book of Romans, Paul spends 11 powerful chapters where he expounds the gospel, where he shares the good news of, of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, how he came to us despite all of our sin and rebellion, how Jesus gave his life for us, how he has declared us righteous in his sight, how he has given us his spirit to lead us and to guide us. How he's given us hope and an eternal future with him. And so after spending considerable time telling the church everything that God has done for them, Paul now calls them, he calls us, to respond. In view of God's mercy, in view of his saving grace and everything that he has done for you, First, let that soak in. Now, with a heart of gratitude and thankfulness, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, he says, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what does it mean to worship something? See, worship is not just something that we do on Sunday mornings as we sing. What we do as we sing in in this worship service is an act of worship. But to worship means to to bow down, uh, to submit, to adore. So we worship whatever it is that we treasure and value above all things. And so for some people, it's money, it's power, success. For others, it may be pleasure or image or their own own ego. What what, What we worship directs our thoughts and our actions. And as a result, we become like what we worship. Therefore, what we seek to do in these worship services is direct our hearts and our minds to Jesus. For to worship God and to submit to his ways 
uh, to treasure him above all things. We seek to allow God to shape and direct our lives. Because worship is a lifestyle. What we do with our lives and our bodies is our act of worship. And therefore, Paul continues in verse 2. He says, as your act of worship, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed, not conformed. See, the original Greek word for conform means to be molded according to a pattern. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, he says. What is the pattern of this world? Well, the patterns of this world are not difficult to see or to find. Like I mentioned earlier, you just kind of need to listen to the latest popular music or watch the latest popular TV shows or movies or or take a trip to to a shopping mall and you will get a glimpse as to what the world values. But in a nutshell, uh, it consists of putting yourself on the throne, putting, your place, putting yourself in the place of God, deciding to define good and evil, truth, on your own terms. That's the pattern of this world. And even, it's tempting. Right? Even for Christians, this is tempting. See, we, we love to uh, justify our impulsive behaviors and our desires uh, even though sometimes we know deep down when it's wrong, we love success and pleasure. We love to act on our impulses. Did I say that already? We, uh, we love to, be, to look good, to be envied by others. And all this stuff, this is what advertisers kind of count on when they promote their products and services. But the ways of this world, the pleasures of humankind, they are, uh, they are temporary and short-sighted at best. And, God's, and what God desires for you, God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, is so much better, so much more life-giving, so much more hopeful and eternal. And so Paul tells the church, he says, do not conform. Don't let the world shape you into its mold. Rather, present your bodies and your minds to God to be molded, to be transformed by God. You see, that the Greek word for transform has a very different meaning than conform. Again, conform means to be molded to a pattern. Transform means to be changed from one thing into another. And so Paul calls us to be transformed, changed by the renewing of our minds. Changed into what? Well, changed into the image of Christ. For as our minds are directed on Christ and our identity as, ch- as children of God, the Spirit, He begins to transform our desires. And we begin to learn and understand God's will and God's ways. And then our transformed lives, they begin to reflect God's light and His character into this world. Now we find, a similar, we find similar messages uh, it, all over the New Testament. Paul has... Paul specifically, but the New Testament Scripture has lots to say about renewing our minds. And so in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes this. He says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 
hearts and minds. Paul's talking about your desires, your thoughts. Focus them on things above. Because Paul's convinced that what we set our minds on determines our actions. And I don't really think it's a surprise to anyone, right? The more we think about something, right, the more we are influenced by something, the more we desire to act out on those things. And so if you, if you put mental garbage into your mind, you're going to get garbage out of your life. And perhaps the simplest example I can give is the language that we use. I use this example because kids know this. They pick, on this, pick up on this really quick. The more we are exposed to a certain kind of language, the more we are likely to think it and then say it. And it's not long before it becomes a regular pattern in our speech. For example, this is true for bad language. This is true for the use of slang. This is true for the jokes that we tell. But perhaps a bit more subtly is the way we can be conformed to the ideology of the world. Ideology is like the world's values and their way of thinking. And so what kind, of, what kind of characteristics are highly valued? Think about your workplace. What kind of values and characteristics are highly valued? For a lot of people and a lot of workplaces, image is very important. And so there'll, people at workplaces like this, they tend to be really well-dressed. They tend to have lots of new outfits, maybe a new vehicle that really presents, presents well, whether you can afford it or not. And for a new person walking into a culture like that, it can, can be kind of easy to conform to that culture, that pattern, if we're not discerning. Or how about the person who is engrossed in the latest network TV show? Now, Scripture uh, teaches us that God has created sex to be an expression of covenantal love between a married husband and wife. Yet, if you allow your mind to be conformed to the pattern of this world, well, you'll assume that sex is just simply a form of pleasure-seeking that takes place on a third date or, or whatever. Therefore, Paul instructs, he instructs us not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So let's get specific now. Going back to our big question, as we live in this world, how can we be transformed into the image of Christ rather than conform to the pattern of this world? Now Paul tells us that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we need, we need to change our thinking. We need to center our hearts and our minds on our desires on God, on His truth, on His ways, on the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Now, I should tell you, this is really important. Transformation is God's work. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it does require us to open our hearts to Him. It requires us to submit to His Lordship in our lives. We need to become active participants. And this starts by, by reviewing and possibly likely changing some of the habits in our lives. And so I read recently that up to 43% of what we do, our, our general practices, such as our daily routines, are stuff that we do while thinking about something else. That's quite a bit of time. So it's like our minds kind of go on autopilot. And so some of these habits and practices are good, right? Our, our daily hygiene, 
brushing their teeth, eating breakfast, stuff like that. Some of them aren't so good, right? Especially some of those habits that we use for, for coping or relaxing. And it could be things such as, you know, too much regular alcohol consumption or excessive media consumption, endless social media scrolling, that kind of thing. And the list could go on. And here's the thing. Habits that are left unchecked, they create spiritual strongholds in our lives. And spiritual strongholds that are left unchecked, they affect your identity. What you believe about yourself, who you believe you are. And therefore, Paul urges us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In other words, let God change the way you think. And so how do we pursue that? So a bunch of years ago, I, I read this uh, really great classic book by Richard Foster called The Celebration of Discipline. And in it, he, he lists 12 spiritual disciplines. And he writes this. The purpose of spiritual disciplines is the total transformation of the person. They aim at replacing old destructive habits with new life-giving habits. And so in the book, he lists a lot of helpful disciplines such as silence and solitude. Can you imagine that? In our day filled with screens and technology? Fasting? In a world that can... We're just busy consuming all kinds of stuff, fasting, confession, simplicity. In a you know, consumeristic kind of culture, simplicity is a very countercultural. There's all kinds, and I won't get into all of them. The book is in the library if you're interested. I have a second copy in my office. But I, and I don't have time to talk about all these this morning, but I do want to talk about a few. With the time we have left, I want to focus on what I believe are are the top three most important practices or spiritual disciplines that influence our thinking and direct our hearts and our minds toward Jesus. And if you have others that come to mind, I invite you to come share those with me later. But number one, and you've probably guessed it already if you're thinking ahead, spend time in God's Word. In Ephesians 6, 10 to 17, Paul, he shares about the armor of God. This is the spiritual armor that we put on in our spiritual battle against Satan and his army of wickedness. And in this passage, Paul lists only one offensive weapon in our battle against the evil one. He says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And this is what Jesus used when Satan tempted him in the desert in Matthew chapter 4. It's the Word of God that declares truth against Satan's lies. It's the Word of God that reminds us of who our God is and His love for us and who we are as children of God. It's the Word of God that combats doubt and teaches us to live rightly and walk in His ways. Because without God's Word, we are lost and very vulnerable, and we will be swayed by the next best thing. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9, Moses tells the Israelite people this, after he'd given them the law of the Lord. He says, These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You post them everywhere. Right? Let them be everywhere. Now, I'm not sure if he's always talking about literally posting them. Maybe 
Some people did it though, but to tie them as a symbol on your hand, it meant to practice it. To uh, put it on your forehead meant to embrace the ideology of God's word, right? to believe it, to understand it, to embrace it. And I recognize that there are many of you here that struggle with reading. And if that's you, you don't have to start by reading like 10 chapters a day. Start small. Try picking one chapter. And if you forget a day, don't beat yourself up. Go back the next day. Dive back in. Another helpful thing you can do, and I do this quite a bit, is you can uh, download the Bible app. And if you go to the bottom, there's this fantastic button that says play, and you can listen to the Bible. It's pretty awesome. Anyways, uh, find someone to discuss what you're, what you're reading with. Uh, whatever your method is, carve space to let God, let the Word of God con- transform your mind. Another practice I found in this same category is, is uh, listening to Christian music. Because I find that when the, when, when the praises of Jesus are, are filling your room or your car or your home, they're filling your mind. The second spiritual discipline I want to share in renewing our minds is, is prayer. Now you might be thinking, how exactly does prayer help to renew our minds? Isn't prayer just talking to God? And prayer is talking to God, but prayer is actually much more than that. When we pray, we, what we do is we open our hearts to God. That is the posture of, of honest, heartfelt prayer to God. And as we do that, God begins to change our hearts. And he does something really special. See, through prayer, God begins to align our heart with his. But the power of prayer goes further yet. See, it's no secret that, that worry and anxiety are common problems in our culture today. And some, some of that is due to what we're filling our minds with. But in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Sounds so simple, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What God invites us to do is to just to take that stuff, to take that stuff that's waging war on our minds and to give them up to Him in prayer. And it's not simple. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes building new habits. And in return, when we surrender these things to God, these worries to God, he offers us his peace, which he says, and catch this, will guard, will protect our hearts and our minds. Yes, please. All right, there's a lot more I could say about prayer, but I want to get to my third point. If there was one more spiritual discipline that I could share with you that is super effective at directing our hearts and our minds toward Jesus... It is fellowship with fellow believers. Now, it's investing in a community of faith, otherwise known as the church. Now, we all know how important and influential peers are in our lives. If you're a parent, you know how important it is for your kids to have good friends who will be good examples for them. If you've struggled in your life, you know how important it is to have other caring adults there to support and encourage you. And therefore, I, 
I encourage you, I invite you to invest in a church community. It takes time and commitment. Get involved in serving. Whether it's here or if you're a guest here as part of a different church, get, get involved there. Right? We are not meant to walk this world alone. And there's lots of ways to get involved. We've been promoting life groups. Uh, next week we're going to hear a, a special ministry highlight on life groups. And so if you're not part of one, join one. And even then it takes time to kind of build that, but it is worth it. We are not meant to walk this world alone. Because when we are alone, we become that much more vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. We become that much more prone to buy into the lies of the enemy and conform to the patterns of the world around us. Have you ever seen what apex predators do when they hunt their prey in the wild? I remember seeing a video of lions hunting their prey. And do you know who they targeted? They didn't go after the big strong animals. It's too much work. They didn't go after those who stayed close to the pack. Rather, they targeted the isolated and the weak. And that is what our enemy seeks to do as well. Separated from the flock, separated from the shepherd, we become weak and vulnerable. And we need a community of believers to walk with us, to help us, to discern truth with us. Generally speaking, you cannot live a victorious Christian life without the church, without fellow believers in your life who are committed to you, to help you grow, to keep you accountable, to encourage and support you when, when times are hard. Because left to our own, we will simply conform to the next thing that looks most appealing. Let me close with this. Are you being conformed or are you being transformed? Our God desires to transform you into the image of Jesus. And it is by God's mercy that the Christian life is lived. And so we don't do the transforming. Right? We, it's, that's the Spirit's work. And I've given you some, some spiritual practices that are helpful in, in giving space to the Holy Spirit to do that transforming life or transforming work in your lives. And so it's not about mustering up a whole bunch of willpower. What we need is more spirit power. And so if this is your desire, if you desire to say no to the conforming influence of the world, if you desire to be transformed by the, by the spirit, by the renewing of your minds, I invite you to, to pray with me as we close this message. And as I pray, I invite the worship team to come forward. Lord Jesus, our merciful Savior, I need your mercy today. I need your Spirit's power today and tomorrow and the days after that. Forgive me, Lord, for I am tired of the ways I have conformed to the patterns of this world. And so in faith, I invite your Spirit to shape, to guide, to transform my mind. Give me eyes for truth, for your truth, the truth. Grant me a heart that pursues you. Give me a hunger for your word. Help me to find the richness and peace that comes through time spent with you. And I ask, Lord, that you would exceed my expectations as a desire to grow and to serve and grow with your people, the church. 
by your power and for your glory, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.